but we'll go with this one first. It's somewhat generic. This just says, how do you handle differences of opinion and perspectives on things like raising children, money, etc.? <laughs> no fair. You want to go first, me? Yeah, you could go first. <laughs> well, I would first say it's very unusual that there wouldn't be differences of opinion because a lot of the best marriage relationships that I know of, the people don't see things necessarily the same. They complement one another. And so you probably heard before, conflict is not something necessarily bad. In fact, it can be something that can be really good if you have a heart that you give preference to one another and you listen to what the other person says. So the answer to that question would be, we've always um, talked out almost every major decision that we've made with the kids and, and even some of the lesser decisions just because I realize that Nancy sees things from a different perspective than I do and the Lord says things to her that I I haven't considered. And even from the standpoint of balance, to be balanced with our kids, a lot of times I think to have both sides I think is really critical. So um, so I just say it's not an exception to the rule. It's the rule that you do talk about um, what it is that um, you're, you're facing and what needs to be done. And, and really honestly as part of that is prayer is really prayer because you got the th- what I just shared you you got the third person in the re- relationship it's Jesus he knows better than anybody does and so when you're bow- both bowed before him and submitted to him I think he honors that and uh, will give you answers and wisdom that's uh, even beyond you so. I'll share about um, things with kids um, I purposed to um uh, not like uh, go against something that he feels for our family or or our kids in front of our kids. Um, I've usually taken that behind doors, (laughs) you know, because usually the Lord puts opposites together. (laughs) You know, it just seems like it's usually that way. And and I think uh, through that... um, He's sharpening us with that other person because, I don't know, are most of you opposites? <laughs> and generally, that is what you see, at least to some degree. And, you know, he refines us and, and we, you know, teaches us holiness in the struggles when we're having to live day by day with somebody who's different and thinks differently. And so with our kids, you know, I would always... Um, respect him and I would uphold what he said um, to the kids and uh, if there was something that I I was like you know I don't think that that needs to be quite so strict or whatever you know I would say that to him behind closed doors so that the kids were never feeling like like they could pit us against one another like you hear or you see in shows uh, that didn't happen where where, you know they would ask him then they'd come ask me thinking I would say or do something different. Um, I heard a wise woman once say, in terms of as a woman and, and listening and um, you know, deferring to your husband or um, being submissive, she said, you know, it's okay to ask, you know, ask once or state your opinion once, maybe do it twice, and after that just be quiet and pray. 
And uh, I thought that was really good advice, and I've tried to do that. Um, I think early on I might have, behind closed doors, tried to <laughs> say it more than that, but, you know, I know the Lord can uh, make a lot more happen than I can by um, trying to get my point across over and over. So. We'll go to this one next. Uh, obviously, this is a lady's question the way it's written as well. It says, what does it mean to be submissive for the wife from a wife's perspective, not from a pastor's perspective, from a pastor's wife's perspective? From a wife's perspective, what does it mean for the wife to be submissive? Okay. Um, can you? Is this on? Yeah, okay. Um, I would say this was the, probably the scariest thing for me before we got married because I was very um, outspoken and um, <laughs> I think I kind of scared him. And so really, honestly, without the Lord, I, I wouldn't be a submissive wife. Um, and just being submitted to him first, I think it just comes naturally. And I realize he carries... He has broader shoulders and different shoulders than I do, and he's meant to carry a lot more weight than I am. And so it's just easy. It's actually easy when you've submitted to the Lord and he's first in your life. It just comes natural. I don't, at first, I think it was the scariest thing for me in the beginning, 21 years ago, but now it's just it's a natural. Um, I want him to lead. I want him to make the decisions. I might give my opinion here or there, or if he asks me, or we talk about it, or pray about it together, but... I want to know what the Lord's showing him because it ultimately is on him. So it's, he's easy to follow. I think that um, something that was life-changing for me was when I was studying um, the scriptures that part of the fall is the woman wanting to usurp the authority over men. You know, we fight for that. And, you know, we, we want to be boss. And... Um, and that's that's a that's a part of this the fallen world. That's not the way God made it. And so when I remind myself when I want to fight to be the boss or to get my um, opinion across or feel like I'm right and you know you're wrong and if you could only see it my way and realize this is this is not the way God made it. This is. Um, this is a this is the fallen world. the The fallen world says, "Woman, fight your way and and be." you know over the man and so we've been put in this position to be uh submitted to them not that we're a doormat but that you know there's lines of authority and just like at your work you know if we were all trying to be the boss nothing would get done because everyone wants to be in charge and so you know god's made it that way that somebody's in charge and then other people are under the person who's in charge. And I think that that's what he's done, you know, in our relationships. Um, and it works, you know, well when we, when we follow those lines. And, um, you know, just uh, a practical thing, you know, I, I remember years ago we were traveling across the country from California to, um, to the East Coast with our kids and... Uh, 
And I remember saying, oh, look, we're like only a couple hundred miles from, North, um, from New York City. We should take the kids there to see the Statue of Liberty. You know, we might not ever come this way again. And he, he said, oh, I don't know. No, I just don't, I don't feel like the Lord would have us do this. I go, but when are we ever going to take these kids to the, to, you know, to the East Coast? We might not ever get back here again. And he said, no, I just do not feel like that's what the Lord would want us to do. And, you know, for a minute, of course, I thought, why not? You know, what does it matter? You know, or how can he tell you that quick? Let's, you know, and, uh, but, but by the grace of God, I, I let it go. I just thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just follow what he says. I'm just, I'm not going to push, I'm not going to push my way. And so then we, we went over to uh, Niagara Falls, and then uh, because of indecision of what camping spot we wanted, we ended up in the Canadian side, and, uh, and we, we found a campsite. We woke up the next morning. It was September 11th. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, we didn't even know what was going on. I called a friend, hey, we're going to meet you in Washington, D.C. And she's like, oh, we're sick. And I'm like, oh, you got the flu? And she's like, no, didn't you hear what had happened? And I'm like, what? And then I'm like, oh, my goodness. If I had pushed my way, we could be in New York City today. You know, and I thought, you know what? And I learned such a good lesson from that. I need to follow because the Lord is giving him leadership in our marriage and our family. I don't know what's going on in the heavenly realm, but God does, and he gives him wisdom. If I pushed my way, which I've done before to make something happen, if I had pushed my way that day, we would have been in the middle of a terrible, scary mess. You know, probably not in, we wouldn't have been in the towers because we wouldn't have got up that early. But, you know, it would have been terrifying, you know. And so I learned from that lesson. Don't push your way. You don't know what the Lord's protecting you from. He's going to give him wisdom in leading this family. Let him lead. Um, so. Can you actually turn, turn this mic up a little bit so we don't have to hold it as, as high up? That'd be great. Thanks. All right. This one looks like there's kind of two questions that almost kind of say the same thing. So I'll read them both. They're kind of along the same avenue. Um, the first one says, uh, as a parent, how do you balance your attention between your kids and your spouse? Uh, and then the other one, which is much like it, just says, marriage with little ones, ah, uh, how? <laughs> so, They're good ones. with little ones and kind of same concept of balancing attention just in general between uh, children and obviously child raising all the way through in your spouse. That's, that was a hard one for me because I couldn't wait to be a mom and I honestly, in all honesty, um, I could let it consume me um, just because I didn't have a mom and I knew what kind of mom I wanted to be. So I um, could have just devoted every single ounce of me to them and totally neglect him because I just um, couldn't wait to be a mom. So I really had to... We had three under five at one point, and I felt like I was always nursing somebody for five years in a row. And so it was hard. I mean, there were times where I'm like, my goal today is to get in the shower <laughs> before he walks in the door. Forget dinner. Just get in the shower. And um, there would be times where I'd say, you need to take her and them, and before I even talk to you, I need to go sit with the Lord because I knew it was not going to be pretty until I did that. 
because um, I, I needed it or it was it just wasn't going to be good. So um, I constantly asked the Lord to help me. Um, we That's why there was a bedtime at night because I knew we needed to invest in that because now we're here where they're leaving. And you don't think, you think, oh, that's going to be forever. But I'm telling you, it goes by so fast. Um, I would do anything for them to be like, can we sleep with you? <laughs> 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 um, and, you know, I lo- I'm loving this season That's now. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> but you just just pray and ask for balance, and um, you know, make that make it a date night. Like our thing was, we used to do even with mom and dad when we lived here in Vineland, and Jeff was little. Um, we would take Jeff one night, and they and we would have Abby, and then they would have a date night, and then the next month they would have Abby. And Jeff, so we make it a priority to try and date, you know, go out on a date and just invest um, when you can. And then they're out on Friday night at this age, and you're like, last Friday, he's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. And he says, Chinese food? And I'm like, yes! (laughs) Redbox? Yes! (laughs) So it it does get fun again. (laughs) Well, I I think um, I'm always telling the young moms at our church it goes so fast, just like Trish said. And, you know, I remember people saying that to me. Yeah. And you just kind of go, no, 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 you know, like you just, you don't understand. And, I, you know, I, I, we have a son who's married now, and he lives in California. And, you know, we get to see him maybe twice a year, you know. And it's like, wow, how did that go so fast? You know, we were just looking through pictures at their house and in 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 our house we were looking at them last night of our, of our girls when they were all little and dressing up and doing all these shows for us and and it's like it just seemed like yesterday and so I'm always telling the girls at our church just slow down you know it it goes so quick just just love every minute. Love every minute of the way that your family is right now. Every season. Every season. And, you know, and I don't know. We were probably more lackadaisical than maybe we, sh- than we should have been. I don't know. Or maybe, but, you know, our kids were always with us. Um, you know, I know girls who are like, oh, we've got to make sure we have this time alone. We've got to make sure that they're in bed by this time so that we can, do, you know. And, we're, and we were just relaxed, you know. Our kids were up too late, and they were in our bed all the time. And But you know what? We got great kids. Our kids love the Lord. They have never caused us any problems. They have never rebelled. And, I, and that's another thing I always tell young moms. It's a lie from the pit of hell. For you to be afraid of the teenage years, that teenage years means sowing your wild oats and walking away from the Lord. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Don't believe it. Don't repeat it because they don't ha- that does not have to happen. And um, so, you know what, I, and I used to work on a maternity unit, and I'd have these moms go, oh, I don't want to pick them up. I'm going to spoil them. Or, or they'd be whispering. I'm like, do not whisper, because you've got to vacuum your house. You know what I mean? Make noise. And, and I'd say, no child, you know, you're not going to spoil that kid by loving it. You know, and, and you're not going to spoil it by loving it too much. Just love them as much as you can. Hold them as much as you can. Feed them. You know, spend that time with them because before you know it, you will blink and they're going to be gone. And um, so, you know, I think that you, we probably should have taken more date nights 
but our kids were always with us on date nights. I mean, we'd go out on our own, but we used to take trips together and camp together. When our kids were little, he'd throw them on their back. He was very, a very involved dad, and I think that that makes all the world a difference because I had friends whose husbands would be like, the, the parenting is up to the mothers, and, but we did everything together with our kids. He'd walk in the door, he'd get on his hands and knees, my son would hop on his back, smack him in the bottom and go, giddy up! And he would go run around the house and I'm like, you know what, this is beautiful. Because they are as close to him as they were to me and they would, you know, jump on his lap to talk to him or sit next to him and so that's, I would just say, moms, dads, be involved, spend as much time with them and... And, and I'll say one more thing. Our son, to the day he moved out of our house, he, he, I used to put him to bed till he was about seven. When I got pregnant with Sarah, it was too, I was too big to lay in his car bed. Um, <laughs> so then he started doing it, and he did it till the day Tyler left. Like, Tyler would go, I'm going to bed, Dad. And he'll say, I'll be right up there. And he would sit on his bed, and Tyler would just share his heart with him. And then they would pray together. And sometimes I'd be like, an hour later, okay, you know, you know, I, come in, come in our room now. But those, it was beautiful. And so, you know, I just think those are beautiful things too to invest in your kids' lives like that. And I don't know if I answered that question or not, but <laughs> there you go. I, that's good. I would just say. There's a time and a season for every purpose under heaven. And I think it's critical whether it's your domestic life, marriage, children, those kind of things. Life comes in seasons, and that's how God's designed it to be. And, you know, when it's winter, you got to dress like it's winter and you got to operate like it's winter. And when winter's over, if you want to keep being stubborn and wearing your winter sweater uh, when it's 90 degrees in summer, uh, you're going to be miserable, point being, you know what, just accept the season that you're in. D don't overthink it. You know, God's intended life to happen in seasons. Life does happen in seasons. So the season that you're in, just blossom in it. Just accept the season that you're in when you have two-year-old kids and toddlers and babies. And, you know, that, you, know, you can't function in some ways, as somebody who has a 15-year-old, a 17-year-old, and that's okay. That, and, and to realize this is the season that we're in, in the same way that when you know, your children are older. You know, life comes in seasons when you're empty nesters. I think the important thing is realize the season that you're in. It has a purpose. God has a design in it. <coughs> Blossom in that season. And at the same time, take heart because realize that life does come in seasons. It's not winter forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the season will change. And when you're in the midst of the season, sometimes it seems consuming and challenging, but you need to keep in the back of your mind, this is a season, and it's the season that we're in for that. And I, I would just say in relation to the balancing the kids um, and the marriage thing, I, I've always been a real big advocate in our marriage relationship uh, to not only kind of hold the line between uh, her and I, but with my children as well. And I, you know... Love my girls, would do anything for them, have been, you know, involved in their lives as much as possible. You know, many of the same kind of things like with Harry and Nancy were sharing. But I've always been a real big advocate to make sure that she knew 
and I held the line for us maritally and that my kids knew that she came before my kids. Um, I, I would never, ever idolize my children in any way or idolize my children in a way even before my marriage because the bottom line is that marriage relationship is the whole reason why those children exist. And the best thing that I could do for my children was to maintain a healthy strong, stable marriage relationship because that's going to make me a better father. That's going to make her a better mother. And that's an example I'm setting for them for the next generation. You know, By them being able to see what they see in marriage, they're one day going to look for a spouse and they're one day maybe going to have a spouse. And I wanted them to glean from us. Listen, I got daughters. My Part of my goal in raising daughters in the way that I related to their mother and the marriage we had I wanted my daughters to look at 98% of men and to think they're all bums. Does that make sense? Bogey saying amen. I see it. He's, he's in the sorority. He's in the sorority party. I did. I, 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 yeah. I wanted them to recognize, our, and if I don't set that example for them, that, what, what are they going to have? So I, I would just say, listen... Be a great parent, but at the same time, don't, in the midst of that process, lose the connection that, you know what, I, I always conveyed to my daughters, and I found avenues to do it and times to express to them, listen, your mom's first, and don't ever think that you can do the divide and conquer thing. Don't ever think you can disrespect your mother in front of me, because if you ever force me to choose between you and your mother, I will choose your mother, because she was here first, and when you move out... <laughs> That's who it's going to be once again. So I think that's an important thing, you know, to keep that conscious because we love our children. We're very sentimental. And, you know, th those little buggers, you know, th they'll divide and conquer. And don't let it happen. Just, I just encourage you, don't let it happen. So. All right, let's move on. All right, th this question here, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to alter it slightly. It, it basically asks, how, how often should a married couple have sex? Harry and Nancy. <laughs> I'm certain you should answer that one. I read the question. I'm moderating. There's a time and a season for every purpose under heaven. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Audience input. No, I'm <laughs> you guys have been married long. <laughs> I'll say something. Yes. I think that that question is answered by the two people who are in that marriage relationship. Um, I I don't think that there is any standard answer to that question. <laughs> and that's the best cop-out I could think of. No, I, I, I believe that that's true. And not, not just in our relationship, but just in talking to other people. I, I just think um, between I mean, different, different folks, I mean, different marriage couples, I think, have different... Um, hormones. Hormones. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> you get the mic. 
<laughs> and and honestly, it's not as dreamy and always the same as you would think in the movies and and that type of thing. Sometimes there's difficulties in terms of one person. Um, their expectations and another person's expectation, and so that's this is a big area that I really think that in the intimacy of your own private time together and with the Lord, that you 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 together need to work that through and understand what where the other person is at, and um, and let God help you and direct you in that. I don't I don't think that there's a yeah it needs to be twice a week it needs to be this that you know that's my thought. Ladies. Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna add something. This is rather than our opinion. This is God's directive. God says this. Nevertheless, First Corinthians seven. Because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her. So it seems there is some level of affection that is due. And likewise, also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent, mutual agreement, for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So, again, the, the Bible makes it very clear, again, even if you think from the book of Genesis, as God defined the marriage relationship, God said, you know, man shall leave his father and mother and you know, be joined his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Uh, and I, I would just say that it's important to realize that from God's perspective that marriage relationship becomes consummated in or, or a sense you know uh, you know fully unified through the one flesh relationship again god wrote his word as god wanted to write his word the holy spirit inspired the word of god marriage is the only institution we have from the other side of the fall okay it's the only institution that comes on the other side of the fall before sin the marriage relationship and a part of the marriage relationship that God created was sexual expression within the marriage relationship. So there's nothing sinful about sexual expression. Uh, I think your sexual relationship should be good. It should be blessed. It should be something that you pray about. It should be something that you communicate about just as regularly. When I do premarital counseling, uh, I encourage couples when I talk to them and say to them, listen, Communication's key, yeah, yeah. But and, and the challenge is couples will communicate about money loudly and you know, quite hot headedly. They'll do the same thing about children. They'll communicate about everything under the sun, but a lot of times couples are afraid to talk about sex. It's almost like it's taboo. When the reality is is listen. Sometimes we have that mentality, maybe if you were sexual prior to the time that you came to Christ, so you're struggling with this whole concept of it's a dirty thing, it's a wrong thing. Listen, it's a God-designed thing. God created us that way. And God could have said the two shall become one heart. The two shall become one mind. They shall become one soul. God said they shall become one flesh. So it is an essential part of your marriage relationship. I Tell people when I speak to them, single people should not be living like married people. And married people 
should not be living like single people. You catch my drift in that? The problem is when single people try and live like married people, that's sinful and it's wrong. And when married people, for whatever the reasons may be, try and live like single people, that's not marriage. Yes, there's a pleasurable aspect to it, but it is also a bonding thing. It is something God has given for the purpose, yes, of procreation, but God has also created these incredible bodies that we have by design, and he could have created no pleasure sensation in that department. But he did. Listen, let's not, that's the way God designed us for a purpose, and therefore it's something that's to be shared to bond in the marriage relationship. It's a way of bonding. It's a way of developing intimacy. It has a purpose. And by design, it causes a husband and a wife to be bonded. Now, I totally agree with that. I think that every couple, that's your private life. It's your marriage relationship. And depending upon what your desires are and your preferences are and those kind of things, that's something between you and your spouse and the Lord. But it is something that is an important part of your marriage relationship. And as you live together as a couple and you pray together, you need to realize the scripture says there, sh there should not be a deprival. It says you should render due affection to your spouse. The Bible even goes so far to say that we don't have authority over our own bodies. The idea is that there's a complete sharing in that, that I realize that I give myself to her in every way and vice versa. Now, I don't think we should use that in a distorted way to try and manipulate and control and take advantage of one another. But there is a part of that where just like in Christian humility, you defer in other areas of your life, recognizing that we have different needs and even different, you know, maybe desires or drives, that there's a part of the sexual relationship where in the same way at times you may yield, Philippians 2, let each one look out not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, you know, considering others better than yourself, the reality may be there may be a part of the sexual relationship where one person wants to be sexual more often than the other, and there needs to be a give and a take there. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't think it should be a thing where one person gets their way and there's, you know, you know this sense of I'm going to take advantage of this, but there's a part of it where I I'm here to serve. And, and, and I think that you're wise to realize that between you as a husband and a wife and to recognize that this person has a desire and maybe I don't, that there are times where out of Christian love and servanthood, I defer to my partner in order to gratify them and to, and to you know, take that into consideration. And, and again, I think these are kind of things that a lot of times, I think one of the biggest disservices that we contribute to in the body of Christ is in an area like this that you're already probably saying he's talking about this way too long is Christians act like it's taboo it's not it's some the world's made it taboo God created this before sin ever entered the world everything about it is holy pure and wonderful and it's an important part of the marriage relationship and I think as a couple, you need to take that into consideration. You should pray through those things, talk through those things, and realize that you're doing a great disservice if you try and ignore that area and don't address it properly. You're just setting a snare for the devil. Again, that's what the scripture says. D don't deprive each other except by mutual consent, lest because of lack of self-control, the devil comes in and takes advantage of you, and you have problems. You know, I think it's just an important area. Don't diminish the value of in your marriage relationship and just pray through it and talk through it. There's no set thing just like any other area, but just being sensitive to what works for you as a couple. So.
uh, let's move on here. Good answer. For any, all right. <laughs> all right, this one, I guess these kind of go together. So, all right, let, let me read this one. It says, how do you bring up conversations about uh, of correct expectations without hurting your spouse's feelings or making them become defensive? How do you bring up conversations of correct expectations without hurting your spouse's feelings or making them defensive? Well, the, f- the first thing that comes to my mind is it, uh, it works al- uh, the best when you're not in the middle of it. <laughs> you know, if you bring it up right then and there when you're in the midst of whatever that is, it's very easy for the other person to be defensive. Um, when I have something like that that I want to talk to him and it's we're not in the middle of it and then I could say hey can I talk to you about something you know that concerns me um, or whatever and then he's not on the defensive and he could receive it a lot better rather than we're in the midst of it and he just did something that um, that you know, I felt like he blew it, and then I deal with it right then. So, that makes sense. Yeah. I guess I'm supposed to talk. Um, yeah, I just go along with that. That's a real good case for walking in the spirit and not putting any confidence in the flesh. And what I mean by that, real practically, is sure a lot easier to hear things if you are surrendered to Christ than if you're walking in your flesh. Um, because, because the Lord helps you to, to take it. Um, we all, I mean, we all have areas that we need to be able to hear and um, just go back to what I said earlier, just that I think you and the Lord walking together, uh, there's times where it, it could be Nancy, it could be one of my kids, m- might want to say something to me that I'm not even seeing, and um, I'm just a whole lot m- more ready to be able to receive it if if I've been um, abiding in Him, walking with Him, because it's more than just them saying it. A lot of times they'll, God will use them in my life to show me something I need to see. Um, so again, um, you know, like Nancy said earlier, we're supposed to, in, in a way, be a refinement to one another. If we're, our eyes are on the Lord and we're serving Him, I, I think that that keeps things in perspective as opposed to, you just bugged me, and I don't like the way you are, and I just wish you were different, and, you know doesn't really matter about you know your own life and how you're growing it's just that that I've always thought that this should be the case and why aren't you that way see that's me 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 that's selfish but if the Lord's in it it's sure a lot easier to receive it and it's easier for it to dial in and to be really true and to really be good you know that you change I, I, I would add this to that I, I agree with that I would also say you know I think sometimes just by way of communication, uh, you know, 
the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. And I think in the same way that a soft answer kind of disarms, you know, sometimes in an argument like Proverbs says, you know, where there is no uh, wood, the fire goes out type of thing. And uh, I just think, you know, on occasion in communication, it's wise. And I don't mean this, please don't misunderstand, in a manipulative way, but I think it's wise sometimes to, you know, be sensitive in regards to the conversation, to just barge into the conversation, to just want to, you know, point out someone's faults or address something you're not happy about or you, some expectation you're upset's not being fulfilled or met in your life, kind of a thing like that. You just, you, you're, you might as well just say, can you open your eye a little bit wider so I can just poke it as hard as I possibly can? And I just want to see what you're going to respond. I mean, I mean, just, to me, some of these things are just common sense wisdom. I, I think sometimes if you genuinely want to maybe address that, let me, let me give you a suggestion to maybe say and said, you know what, is there some way that perhaps I could better serve you? Is there some way that maybe I'm not meeting a need in our marriage or in your life? Can you tell me some ways that I could do a better job to serve you or to meet some of the things that are needs or desires in your life? Because I can tell you this, if you ask a question like that sincerely and you sincerely want to hear, they're probably going to say in response, how about me? You know, or is, and, and you're going to get your answer by a conversation and a dialogue, just a good natural, which I think those are conversations as married couples. It's just wise to have once in a while to be able to broach those subjects and, hey, you know, how are we doing? And, you know, and, and to just bring that up. And I think it's just a more prudent way to enter into that rather than to just launch into what you're doing. And in some ways, I would say this too. I, I think in some ways the concept of, my expectations or correct expectations, I think you have to be careful with that sometimes too in marriage because sometimes that may honestly almost be asking the wrong question. You know, Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Uh, and the whole premise really of what a heart for marriage should be, the world's mentality is, I need to find somebody, a spouse, that's going to meet my needs, make me happy, do my laundry, pick up my dirty underwear, cook my meals. You know, I need somebody who's going to pay the bills and work hard and mow the lawn. And when the reality is, a Christian perspective towards marriage should be, how can I serve this person? I want to marry this person and I want to serve them. I want to compliment them and try and be someone who can make their life better rather than looking to get from the marriage relationship. See, the other idea is, is what can I give to the marriage relationship? And one is expectations, which is what can I get out of the marriage relationship? And if that becomes the focus, as it can be, a lot of times you're going to be disappointed and frustrated when the reality is you can't control the other person and you can't change the other person. That's God's business. Our job is to love people. God's job is to change people. So if things need to change, I can't change her. My job is to love her and to pray for her and to let God change her. And God knows what I need. Listen, there, there, are, time, there are times. I'm, I'm being very candid. Let me go back to the prior conversation. There may be an occasion where, let's say, your spouse doesn't want to have sex as often as you do. Don't tell your spouse. You're going to say, God, you've given me this sexual desire. And God, uh, could you bring an increase maybe on the other side? Listen, I pray, you pray about everything. And you tell the Lord. The Lord knows what you need and address Him for it. 
whether it's a money issue, a child issue, and sometimes it's not so much they're not meeting my expectation as much as having maybe a realistic perspective that I should be looking to serve and to give instead of being disappointed that they're not meeting my expectations. I just think it, it kind of minimizes some of that friction if you keep that perspective. I just, just think it's a wise and a helpful thing. All right, this one here says, what is the reason for a successful marriage? And it also goes on to this saying, as we get older and go through the seasons of life, how do you keep the relationship fresh? So I don't know if that's one and the same or kind of two different. What is the reason for a successful marriage? I know we kind of talked about some of those kind of things. Um, I, I tell you, why don't we just address the second one first here? As we go, get older, go through the seasons of life, how do you keep the relationship fresh? Keep the marriage from... You know, after years of marriage or life going on, changing of the stages of life, keeping things fresh. I'll say that um, just not to think about myself, to think about what would make him happy. Um, uh, you know, you know your spouse and what they like and what they don't like, and um, just keeping it that keeps it fresh. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking. Um, from the very beginning, um, and I praise the Lord for for our relationship. Um, right from the beginning, um, we had a lot of things that we did uh, together before we had kids. Um, we enjoyed a lot of the similar things to to get away, like Nancy was saying, uh, you know, going on trips together and. Um, just uh, being a little bit in a, adventurous and, and kind of on a spur of the moment, do some wild things and uh, get away. Um, and once we had kids, we just kind of pulled them into the same sort of thing. We didn't let having kids slow us up. Um, and so, you know, earlier we were at uh, the Montemiro's house and, and uh, Trish was saying just about me that I I would like in a moment's notice go do crazy things um, and so all I'm trying to say is is that there's always been a d dynamic that we enjoy having fun and doing uh, unusual things together to uh, just to be uh, experiencing some fun things as a a couple and as a family, and I think that has actually kept things fresh in our lives. Um, I, the ultimate thing that does, though, is is just like Trish is saying, we're we're both following the Lord, and we're trying to put Him first. And you know, the passage: "Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you." The Lord is more concerned about your relationship with one another than you are. And if you put him first in your life, I think he creates opportunities for you to just enjoy him and all the things that he's made and enjoy one another and see uh, from fresh eyes one another's lives. And um, so that's, that's my answer. I think too, um, well, this June we're celebrating 30 years, which is crazy. <laughs> I think, how could that be? And um, anyway, I think, you know, like in our house, we, we laugh a lot. And uh, I have a couple friends who, 
everything's all serious, you know. And it's like, clean up after dinner, now get washed up for bed, now get to bed, you know what I mean? And, you know, just, we just have fun, you know, and we laugh and we talk. And I like, sometimes we'll go to a restaurant and I'll just see families just sitting there and no one's talking. And it's like I want to sit down at the table and start a conversation because I'm like, you have this sliver of time with this family, you know, and before you know it, those kids are gone, before you know it, you're an old person sitting at that table all by yourself, you know, because your spouse is gone. Just talk together, you know. So, and as you can probably tell, I talk too much, but it, it, you know, so when he comes in, we're, you know, now it's just me and Sarah and him and, you know, tell him our day and what's happening, blah, blah, blah. And, and, I, and I think those are good, good things. And um, years ago, when we were first like getting ready to leave California and leave our family and and move to Pennsylvania and see what the Lord was where He was taking us, um, I remember I shared with a, a a lady. I said, you know, I'm a little scared. I know that, you know, my husband's ready to launch off into ministry. I'm just like, Lord, please don't send us to Kansas. I'm afraid of tornadoes and. Please don't send us to Detroit because there's too many racial problems there. And, and if you could keep us west of the Rockies, I'll be only two hours from home. And, and, um, and uh, you know, and the, the lady looked at me and said, Nancy, you know, follow where the Lord's leading your husband. And she said, Proverbs 14.1 says, a wise woman builds her house, but a a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. And that verse is like imprinted in my mind. And um and I and I I'm living that out on a daily basis and I share that with the ladies at my church. A wise woman builds her house and sometimes I want to just like you know. And then the Lord says to me, "Don't be a foolish woman because if you let that bust out of your mouth, you're going to tear down your house right now." You know, and 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 I'm thankful for the majority of the time when I when I don't you know I put, I keep it in there and I say, Lord, help me to be a wise woman right now. And there are times when it busts out, and I always regret it. And um, so I think that that's one thing that answers that question, whatever it was, is for <laughs> for me to make choices to be a wise woman and build. I can build into him as a person. I could build into my daughter. I could build into what we're doing as a family. Or I could just rip it apart. And you know, as women, we could do it with one or two words, and then the whole thing is a wreck, you know? So. I need to say something else. Along the lines of what we're, we're sharing, um, and, and particularly the fun part, I think that stress, the stress of life, can ruin a dynamic between two people because the burden that you experience and the weight weights that there are and even the the hostilities that come against you as a Christian you can lose your joy and I think that one of the things that the Lord does is when he gives us his peace and when we are resting in him, he gives us the, the capability, even when we're in the presence of our enemies, to sit down 
at his table and to enjoy it even though there are all these things around us. And so those crazy times that we have and those fun things that we do, they don't have to be necessarily long, but they, they can be very much part of God's plan to keep us fresh. And uh, the, the, the Word of God says that our outer man is decaying, okay? But our inner man is being renewed day by day. And the Holy Spirit is in you. And I used to sell hearing aids. And I, all I worked with were old people. And I met some young people, I mean old people, who were 60, year old, 60 years old that seemed like they were 90. And I met some 90-year-olds that seemed like they were 60. And a lot of it comes down to your perspective. And do you realize that you have the Spirit of God in you? And to keep fresh with one another... Because the, the living water is in your life, he is the reason that you can kind of be able to let it, uh, keep perspective of where you're at, release it to him, and have rest to actually continue to have fun and even just be a little wild, and it makes it fresh. All right, what we one or two more questions here to wrap it up but in relation to what we're already talking about if you have little ones and kiddos if you need to go and grab your little ones no shame of face if you need to slip out of here I don't want, I don't want you to stick around and be stressed out if you need to do that so um, please feel free if you need to do that because of little ones getting to bed or something like that but we'll wrap up here with the last question or two um, this one says uh, if you could simplify marriage advice to one thing so this should be really short and concise <laughs> If you could simplify marriage advice to one thing, this ties back to what's successful, what would it be and why, in essence? If you boil it down to one thing, the other thing said successful marriage. It's, I'm going to say it's not about me. I think 21 years ago I thought it was all about me and what can I get out of this. And now it's, I've, learned, I've just learned so much that it has nothing to do with me and more of um, what what the Lord wants to do with this marriage. I've just surrendered it all to him and and um, made it not be about me. And I would say forgive. Just be quick to forgive. And um, years and years ago, I used to keep a a little journal, not not for reals, but, you know, making all the notations of offenses, again, you know, and um, it, that's a, such a bad thing. And it hurts you. You know, it's like that, that thing where they say, you know, you drink poison hoping the other person dies. But you're the one who's drinking the poison and you die and you get bitterness and everything else. So be quick to forgive and, and be quick to uh, receive, you know, when he says, I'm sorry, just receive it and just, you know, go on. And don't hide things. Um, I had to learn how to communicate because I didn't know. I just thought communicating meant it's over, like a fight, it's over, because um, that's what I saw as a little girl. So I had to learn. I remember we used to get in a fight early on in marriage, and I would literally go get in the car and leave because I'm like, ah, oh, it's over. And he's like, where are you going? I didn't know how to fight, like how to – I've learned. He's taught me well, <laughs> and I can actually not scream. Now I can communicate. Now I can talk without – 
thinking it's over every time. It's not over. We're just we're just disagreeing. And like he says from the pulpit, I know he said the only two things we have in common is Jesus and the kids, and it's true. Um, but we, I think we've blended well over 21 years because of Jesus. I don't know if this is number one or not, but I think something that's really, I believe, is critical is praying together. I really think that it's hard to continue to go the wrong way when you're both submitted into the Lord's presence. You're asking for your own marriage, and you're asking um, for his purpose for the other person, a lot of things just, they dissolve. But the main thing is, is that the, back to what I said, the intimacy that you have with him, if you share that together, he's at the center then. But if you, let's take it the other way, if you hardly ever pray together, and it's your relationship with God and your relationship with God, I, I think you're missing one thing, that, that God does amazing things. I really believe that. I would say obey the Lord. And that boils down to God has given direct instructions into his word in regards to marriage. What the role and responsibility of a husband is. What the responsibility and role of a wife is. Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, 1 Peter 3. You know, to mention a few, God has given... Again, you would think the Bible would have... Wouldn't you? I mean, as important as marriage is and as challenging as the marriage relationship is, even if you both love Jesus and, you know, it's a challenging thing. You're two sinful people coming from different backgrounds, different lifestyles, different upbringings. You're different by design. It's it's a huge thing, the marriage relationship. You'd think the Bible would have chapters and chapters and chapters, wouldn't you, on, on the marriage relationship, and yet God's given a few simple instructions for us to follow and a lot of times as Christians for whatever reasons whether it's naivety whether it's just a lack of trust that God knows best we neglect the very simple directives God has given to us in his word and those very simple directives in his word meet the fundamental needs many times that exist between men and women because God knows how he's designed us in male and female so I say obey the Lord in the sense of obviously clearly the revealed written word of God and then just in general in relation to everything that's being said kind of collectively, whether it's forgiving or praying together, if the Lord's telling you to forgive, obey the Lord. If the Lord's telling you you need to pray together, obey the Lord. If the Lord's telling you you need to do just obey the Lord, whether it's his written word or what his spirit tells you. He'll give you clear direction in regards to how to respond and to relate to one another if you stay in tune with him, which is kind of the you know conjunction of everything we're saying. And I would also say this as kind of a wrap-up to that. Confess and repent of your own sins. When I meet with married couples, typically what happens when I sit down with a married couple is usually this. He comes in and he confesses all her sins. <laughs> And then when he's done doing all that, she takes her turn and then she angrily confesses all his sins or vice versa. When the reality is the Bible says confess your own sins. Not, and, and be careful of that. Confess your own sin and repent of your own sin by obeying the Lord. Don't get caught up in, again, well, they do this, they do that. 
just obey the Lord because you can't control what they're doing and you can't control if they're going to obey the Lord. But I tell you, if you obey the Lord as an individual, even if things are spiraling this way, one person can throw a stop in that. And if you say, I'm going to obey the Lord no matter how they respond to me, no matter how they treat me, I'm going to do what's right. You can take a stand for that marriage and really make things begin to go back in the right direction, whether it's spun all the way out of control way down the road or whether it's just been a little glitch you know, that's beginning to happen. So I think that's important you know, that we need that humility to be able to do that. So want to close with some prayer here? Sure. Thank you for tonight, um, Heavenly Father. Thank you that... Um, you're our Father, and you care about each one of us as your children, and you care about our relationships with one another, and we thank you, Lord, that um, you we love because you first loved us. And Lord, we ask you for that in our lives, that Lord, we would take to heart the things that have been shared tonight, and and Lord, that we would listen to you, and as Tony said, that that Lord, your what your will is, that it would be our first priority, and that we would follow you, and and Father, I pray that um, the joy and the wonder, Lord, of all that you have in store for us in every relationship here, I just pray, God, for your blessing on our lives, Lord, that we would become more who you've called us to be and, and enjoy the things that you've made for us. I pray for your Holy Spirit, um, Lord, for the wisdom and the direction that we need to know the course. And uh, we just thank you that you're good. And every good and perfect gift that it comes from above and Lord that you have good intentions for our lives so Lord we just give you praise thank you for this evening and pray in Jesus name Amen Amen